Good morning. The title of this morning's message is Yahweh Ra'ah, or Yahweh Ro'i, the Lord is my shepherd. We've been looking at the names of God. Every time I prepare for the word, okay, Lord, where are we going? Where is it you want to take us? God really set me up for this message. That unseen hand, I saw it all over my week. <laughs> I saw him taking things that maybe not were good in and of themselves, but using them for my benefit and even to help me to prepare this message. I just love seeing God. I love seeing that he is intimately aware of everything in my life, and he is willing to be in everything if I let him. Amen? When I was preparing this message, I thought, you know, Lord, all of the names of God really the characteristics of them show up in this one name, the Lord is my shepherd. And I said, you know, we should call it Yahweh everything. <laughs> because you are Yahweh, the great I am, who is everything. And that's really what a shepherd is to his sheep. He's everything. We're going to look at Psalm 23, probably the most famous passage of scripture in the entire Bible. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Psalm 23 is a song. S-O-N-G. It's a song. David wrote this song about his relationship with God. So when he says, Yahweh Rohi or Yahweh Raha. He is saying Yahweh, the up close and personal name of God. One of the things I've started doing is when I read in the Old Testament, when I see L O R D in all caps, I think and say Yahweh. Because God meant for us to know his personal name. <laughs> he meant for us to know him and call him by name. That's why we call Jesus Jesus, because it's his name. Now, is he Lord? Absolutely. But why would you call somebody by a title when you can call them? You have the privilege of calling them by their personal, up-close-and-personal name. Husbands and wives rarely call each other by their first name. In fact, I called my husband Mark one day, and he's like, what are you doing calling me Mark? <laughs> because that's not the up-close-and-personal name that I call him. And yet we insist, as believers, making God far away with titles. When he says, I want you to be close with me. I want to be close with you. I want you to call me by my personal name. That's the mindset that David had. He says, Yahweh, Rohi. Yahweh, shepherd. It was up close and it was personal. That's why the song is so well known. Is because in it we see the relationship that he's trying to describe to us. He says, Yahweh, the up-close-and-personal God, looks just like a shepherd. And who would know better than a shepherd? 
when we read this song, we may not get the same picture that David did when he wrote it. Because David had an intimate knowledge of sheep <laughs> and shepherding, taking care of sheep. So he had a working knowledge that we really do miss if we don't do some homework. David was intimately acquainted with the cost of shepherding and the benefits to the sheep. And that's why he called the God of Israel a shepherd. He was also very intimately aware of how deeply loved sheep were by their shepherds, in spite of the fact that sheep could be very frustrating. You see, David knows both sides of this equation. He's like, you're just like a shepherd. You're just like me. I identify with you. I understand what it is to take care of frustrating sheep. <laughs> I understand the nature of sheep, but I understand the heart of the shepherd for those frustrating sheep. <laughs> and so he sings this wonderful song. This was a worship song. This was declarations of his heart and his love and his recognition of how awesome and how good his shepherd is and was to him. He saw in God's character that he is Yahweh everything. Just like a shepherd takes care of everything for a sheep. That was really what you see through the whole song is that you do it all. And isn't that the message of the gospel? You've done it all. And yet so much of the church thinks they have to do it all. Instead of understanding, no, he's done it all. And I get to walk in what he's already done. Even though he wasn't infilled with the Holy Spirit, he had the Holy Spirit on him. He knew what it was to be anointed. He knew and recognized the very presence and power of God. He saw that unseen hand all the time. He recognized that he was never alone, that his shepherd was always taking care of him. This song of David could be sung over and over and over again to remind him that in every season, he had every reason to be grateful and thankful. That because Yahweh, the up-close and personal God, was so very up-close and so very personal about everything in his life. David probably wrote this song later in his life after he had seen plenty of life the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet he said, through it all, you are my shepherd. He saw that unseen hand. He saw the loving care of a shepherd in his own life. And that was his declaration, his worship, the characteristics of who he saw God to be. It was a song of great comfort, of consolation, of hope in a hard place. It was a song of joy and rejoicing in his shepherd's care and provision. David's song was a response to seeing the greatness of God in the midst of every situation. This greatness, this love, he said, looks an awful lot like a shepherd. What singing does is it imprints words on your heart. Music will take words deeper than words alone. Everybody here can sing the ABC song. Once you learn the ABC song, you never forget the ABC song. Music will take what you hear and bury it in the soil of your heart. That's why we are very particular here about what we sing. There are lots of songs on the radio I turn off 
because the theology is so horrible. <laughs> and you're, that's a Christian song. How can they do that to my Jesus? <laughs> it is important what we sing because it buries that theology in our heart. In fact, the early church, people didn't have Bibles. You know all those lovely old hymns? Well, that was how people knew God. That's how the church got God theology into people. They taught them songs. That's why songs and music are so important. And we are very careful here about what songs. What I love, though, about my Sarah is that she had no idea what I was ministering today. And yet, what did we sing? We talked about singing. (laughs) God always does this. That unseen hand, he says, I don't mind repeating myself. In fact, I know if I do, it's going to go deeper. You're going to get a better grasp of it. So I'll give you the message that's coming later. I'll give it to you first in song, and then it'll show up in the preaching. And the Lord does that every time. In fact, sometimes Sarah will struggle about what's the right song. And she'll call, what are you ministering on? And I'll tell her, and she says, that is no help at all. (laughs) And she'll go back, and she'll work, and she'll call, and she'll say, you know, if I pretend I don't know, this is the list I get. What do you think? I was like, it's perfect. That unseen hand of God always at work in our behalf. So it's important what we sing. Music actually affects both our heart physically and our brain physically. Not just emotionally, not just spiritually. Music is very important. And so when we put music and words together, it becomes very, very powerful. While I was preparing this message this week, one of the things that I and my classmates were doing is we were having this Thanksgiving thing yesterday. It was canceled along with the special speaker. (laughs) Some kind of mix-up. But one of the things that my class was supposed to do was to present some sort of entertainment. So we decided to sing the song Good, Good Father by Chris Tomlin. You know, it's one thing to sing it at church when you can see the words, but when you actually have to know the words (laughs) and you have to know the timing, and that song has very difficult timing. (laughs) And so I'm practicing several times a day. Where do I come in? Where do I come in? Where do I come in? (laughs) When's the downbeat? Okay, because you know what? I'm not a singer, okay? I can blend in if it's not too high or too low. I can blend in and go with the flow, but it is not my gifting, okay? So learning a song was very difficult. You have to actually know the words. (laughs) All of them in order. (laughs) And so I was practicing this song. Now I'm going to read you the song. I want you to see these wonderful words, though. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It is who I am. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide. But I know that we're all searching for answers only you provide. Because you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. 
It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Because you are perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Oh, it's love so undeniable. I, I can hardly speak. Peace so unexplainable. I can hardly think. As you call me deeper still. As you call me deeper still. As you call me deeper still into love, love, love. Is that not an awesome song? And what I saw is I saw the juxtaposition of David's song to God and my song to God. I was doing the same thing David was doing. I was putting those words deep down in my heart. And as I was trying to be a good student and learn the words and learn the timing, I found myself in tears on my knees, worshiping my God because those words went deep and those words went far down inside of me and they were true. My father is a good, good father. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And that was David's cry about his shepherd. He didn't have what we have. He didn't have God as his father. He only could know him as God as his shepherd. It was the closest thing to a father. But it's the same heart and it's the same worship. I wasn't expecting the song to do that. I kept trying to be a good student. (laughs) I'm not worshiping right now, God. I'm learning a song. (laughs) And then I would be working in the kitchen and making dinner and up in my spirit would come You're a good, good father. You're perfect in all of your ways. Lord, I'm busy now. (laughs) I can't be worshiping. (laughs) And in the early times in the morning, when you just start to wake up, and you're very aware of your spirit, you're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. Love so unexplainable. Peace, so undeniable. Oh, see, I got the words wrong, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) It became worship. It went far down deep inside, and it changes us. That's what the Holy Spirit was bringing up in me over and over and over again. No matter what I was doing, it was worship that came up inside of me. It was the truth of who my Father is that came up inside of me. And it is that truth that he wants us to live out. The same way David lived out his understanding of God. This song, The Good, Good Father, painted a picture on my heart of what God looks like. Just like David's song painted a picture of what God looks like. We are like sheep. What's what I saw in this process of trying to learn this song? That we are like sheep. You see, sheep eat, and they graze, and it goes down inside of them, and they have a four-compartment stomach. So it doesn't just go down and go away. <laughs> it goes down, it sits there a while, and gets to working and giving some nutrition, and a little while later, up it comes. And we're going to chew on it some more, <laughs> get some more good juicy stuff out of that, and down it goes. And this happens over and over and over. You know what that's called? Meditation. Worship is a kind of meditation. 
when we want something to get in us and to change us, we've got to meditate on it. Take your favorite scripture, put it to a melody you already know. It will change your heart. You see, that's what David was doing. He was changing his heart. You see, our heart is not our spirit man. Our spirit man is a happy camper every day, all day. Every day, my husband says, God is good. And I say, every day, all day. (laughs) My spirit man knows that that's the reality, that that's the truth, that God is good every day, all day, in every way. He's perfect in all of his ways. We are like sheep, only we don't eat with our mouth, we eat with our ears. You see, sheep are always hungry. Always. So they graze continuously. There is an exception. They're always hungry, but they will not eat if they are afraid. If they do not feel safe and secure, they will not eat. We are very much like them. We don't receive well. We stop eating when we're afraid. We stop receiving. If I'm afraid, what God is trying to say to me doesn't get through. The fear blocks it. It shuts down my appetite. (laughs) We can't afford to be afraid. We can't afford to let fear be in our life because it shuts down our grazing. It shuts down our receiving. And we need to keep that always being fed. What this meditation does is it changes our heart. Our heart is what needs to be changed, not our spirit man. That's my point. You see, our spirit man is happy all day, every day. Our spirit man is never afraid. Never. Never afraid. It never experiences fear. Why? It is in the presence of God all the time. Our soul, on the other hand, has all kinds of bad pictures. Bad seed. Bad teaching. All kinds of stuff that doesn't belong there (laughs) in our heart. There's only one way to pull those things out, and that's to put the right picture in. I have to purpose to repaint the pictures in my heart. I used to have a picture that God was mad at me all the time, all of the time. Not because I was such a great sinner. (laughs) I was trying very hard to be a very good Christian, but I was sure I was always failing. You say, it doesn't matter how hard you try to be good, you're always going to come short of perfection. And Satan will beat your brains out with your lack of perfection. Okay? So I had a picture that God was never happy with me. I had to work on purpose to change the picture in my heart. Subconsciously thinking he's not happy with me, he's folding his arms tapping his foot, it's you again, really, (laughs) that instead of that, what comes up is, he's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. No matter what I've done, he is a good, good father. And I'm never alone. The truth of who he is comes up subconsciously. And that's what we want to have happen, is that when we sing worship to God, it goes really deep, and it changes the pictures of us on the inside. The truth is, most of us need to change the picture of what God looks like. In fact, it's a process. God keeps revealing himself more and more and more that just how good and how faithful he is. So what exactly is a shepherd? A shepherd is known specifically by what he does. Shep, herd, comes from sheep, herder. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, it doesn't really give you any characteristics. This word, shepherd, simply means one who herds sheep. So he's known specifically by what he does. God is that way. God can be known by what he does, the same way a shepherd is known by what he does. So I looked up the word shepherd in Strong's Dictionary, and it says this. This is the definition of a shepherd. To tend a flock, to pasture it, to graze, to rule. By extension, it means to associate as with a friend, a companion, to keep company with. Devour, eat up, feed, use as a friend, to make friendship with, a herdman, a sheepkeeper, a pastor, a shepherd. So within the word shepherd, all of those things exist. You see there's a lot about eating. <laughs> One of their primary responsibilities is to make sure that sheep who are hungry all of the time have food to eat. What we don't normally think of when we think of a shepherd is that an associate as a friend, a companion to keep company with. We don't necessarily think of a shepherd as a friend, but David did. In fact, this was really the whole point of his entire song, is the constant care, the constant presence, the constant companionship, the constant love, the constant friendship. It was continuous, and it was constant. Because David knows that sheep have to have someone watching them all the time. Because sheep can be naughty. <laughs> <laughs> if left to themselves, sheep will get hurt. If left to themselves, sheep will become prey. So he knows sheep can never be left to themselves. Amen? <laughs> sheep do better in flocks. Amen? <laughs> you can see why David saw himself as a sheep. He knew that human beings without Jesus are simply sheep. <laughs> a shepherd tends sheep, feeds sheep, leads sheep, loves sheep, and keeps sheep. And what I love about Jesus is he never loses sheep. He is a sheep keeper. <laughs> but God himself is described in the Old Testament as a shepherd in several places, and one of them is in Isaiah 40, 11, and it says this, He, Yahweh, will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. It's one of my favorites. And then he talks about us, human beings, as his flock. And Ezekiel 34, 31 says this, And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, the Lord God. When you see God in all caps, that's Yahweh's personal name again. <laughs> if you see any word in the Old Testament in old caps, it's God's personal name. Then <laughs> the word Lord here is Adonai, or Adonai, and it means supreme in power, supreme ruler. So it's just speaking of his overarching all-powerfulness, but yet still his up-close and personal name. God says he reveals himself as a shepherd, and he reveals that we are his flock. And so we see in this song the relationship of sheep and shepherd. I know very little about shepherding. 
imagine that. <laughs> I know very little about sheep except what I've been told. So I read a book called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. And one of the primary things I came away with was the nature of sheep, the basic nature of sheep. Now, I always knew that they were very timid creatures. I was always told that they were stupid. They're not stupid. They're simple, but they're not stupid. And they're very suspicious. <laughs> because they are not stupid. <laughs> now, now, as I talk about sheep, and I'm going to talk about sheep quite a bit here, when I say sheep, I want you to think human being. <laughs> okay? Throughout the scripture, God describes human beings like sheep. We're not stupid, but we are highly suspicious. <laughs> now, what I didn't realize about sheep is this just how easily they are stressed. They are stressed easily, they are made anxious easily, and they are brought to panic easily. Easily. In fact, if there is a herd, you can call them a herd or a flock, of sheep, and they are brought to panic, and they can be brought to panic just like that. The author of this book talks about one of his friends came to see him, and they brought this new puppy they had, this little Pekingese. This little tiny Pekingese puppy came bounding out of the car. Yep, 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 yep. His whole herd went into a panic and stampede. Now this is very dangerous for sheep because if they're in the season where they're carrying young, they will actually miscarry their young because of panic. Okay, so it is important that sheep remain calm. <laughs> what I think is so funny about that is that it was a small unexpected Pekingese puppy. <laughs> it wasn't at all dangerous, but yet because it was unfamiliar to his sheep, it brought them to a panic. Human beings, small unexpected things can bring us to a panic because we don't know how to handle it. We've never seen that before. How do I handle this situation? We can get ourselves all into a panic really quick. <laughs> what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, you know that's not faith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was surprised, not only by the nature of sheep, but just how easily they are frightened and scared and brought to panic. But I was surprised that I myself could experience a panic attack. About six months ago, I had a root canal. A year and a half before that, I was told I had to have a root canal. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't want a root canal. <laughs> I've never heard anything good about root canals. <laughs> I don't want them putting icky stuff in my teeth. No, I don't want this. I believe for healing. I'm, Lord, you've got to heal this. I don't want this. So for a year and a half, it would get better and it would get worse and it would get better and it would get worse. Lord, what do I do about this? <laughs> and he said, go have it done. But God, I don't want to. This is exactly what I don't want. Give me a word. Give me a word, God. <laughs> so he gave me a word out of Jeremiah where the Lord says to Jeremiah, I have touched your mouth. Okay, I received that. I'll have it, but I won't be happy about it. <laughs> now, my entire adult life, I have never heard of one person having a root canal where it was successful. Not one. All these years, pictures are going into my heart of how horrible root canals are. <laughs> They're terribly painful. It takes a week or more to get over. They have to give you lots of medication. All the things I hate. <laughs> I don't want to do this. So I went to the dentist, the specialist, and that unseen hand of God. 
love that unseen hand of God. You see, he is my shepherd. As my father, he is going before me and he is taking care of me. And he gave me the perfect dentist. Because I told them right up front, I'm nervous. I'm very nervous about this. Now, I didn't feel fear, so I was really surprised. I'm nervous about this. I've never heard of this ever being successful. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> My only options are root canal or lose your tooth. He's like, it's okay. He does what a good shepherd does. Talks calmly, gently. Sheep don't like loud noises. Sheep don't like rustling and bustling. Sheep like everything calm. And he was exactly that way. And he talked to me, and he talked to me, and he's doing his stuff. And I'm starting to shake. Now, I am not thinking scary thoughts here. Because normally you hear people, well, stop thinking those things. I'm thinking, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will fear no evil. <laughs> I am thinking good thoughts. <laughs> but I actually start shaking in the chair. And then all of a sudden I'm like, um, can't breathe. Can't breathe. Hello. Not breathing. <laughs> and then I saw some quick movement. <laughs> They're taking everything out of my mouth. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. And they show me the, see, here's a mirror. Look, everything's good. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. And he just talked to me and he got calm. I got calm. Now, I didn't have any control over that. All my good thoughts were not working. <laughs> but the voice of the shepherd brought calm. He did exactly what a good shepherd does with sheep. He told me a story. They try to talk to you while you got these things in your mouth. <laughs> where, where were you born? <laughs> and they understand you. It's crazy. <laughs> when I got done, <laughs> I wanted to give him money. That's how well he did what he did. When I got done, I knew I would never have that problem again because I went through the experience with a good shepherd. Okay, the picture on the inside of me changed. I had a miraculous recovery. No medications, no pain pills, no discomfort. I didn't have to have anything else done. They were like, wow, he touched my mouth. <laughs> I got me a word. <laughs> but you see, if we have a wrong picture on the inside, that wrong picture, that subconscious picture will bring you to fear and panic when it shouldn't, when you're actually very safe. So how do we change that picture? Ah, start singing yourself some songs. <laughs> you see, I had only continued to read about how horrible root canals were. <laughs> Instead of going to my good shepherd and letting him say, no, I did really touch it. You are really healed. You're going to do it this way. It's okay to get healing from a dentist or a doctor. God will meet you where you're at. You know what I loved about this dentist? No condemnation. He didn't tell me I was childish or foolish or any of those things. He understood. That's like our Jesus. He doesn't condemn us or shame us because I felt like that when I got done. I should be bigger than this, God. <laughs> I'm a woman of faith, Lord. <laughs> Didn't really feel like it in there, but <laughs> God didn't condemn me. God met my faith where it was. I had a miraculous recovery. Praise God. <laughs> he will meet us wherever our faith is at. 
So to understand sheep more fully, <laughs> and that sheep can be brought to panic just like I was, I decided to do a little homework. This is a scientific fact sheet given out by the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. <laughs> I did not make this up. <laughs> Before I tell you this, I'm going to tell you another little story. We have friends who live quite a distance away, and they have been in an established church for many, many years. This church has been around since the 50s. Everything's going great. Well, the pastor said, it's time to retire. How should we do this? Well, they had meetings and committees and board members and all that good stuff going on, and, and they found themselves someone who could replace the current pastor. And the current pastor said, you know, I don't want to confuse the sheep, so I will go completely away for a year. Because he wanted to attend his church. He just didn't want to pastor it anymore. He wanted to retire. So the pastor went away completely, and there's this new pastor. And the new pastor, he's got plans. <laughs> and he goes in, and he starts making changes. And he starts firing people. And he starts putting new people in, in places of authority. And he makes all of these changes. And guess what happens to all the sheep? They scatter. They scatter like crazy. And he's like, what's wrong with the sheep? Nothing. They're acting like sheep. <laughs> I want you to think about that when we look at these characteristics of sheep. Sheep are social animals, so try to prevent seclusion. Sheep don't like it when they can't see their shepherd. It makes them very nervous. It doesn't matter if there's a new shepherd. If they're really used to the old one, if that's the one they're close to and comforted by, by his presence, he doesn't have to be in charge. He just needs to be present. Because their peace, their comfort, their ability to lay down and rest comes from the fact that he is with them, not that the fact that he is ruling over them. So this pastor probably should not have gone away for a year. He probably should have brought someone in under his wing and let the sheep get accustomed <laughs> that this is the new shepherd. He's going to love you and take care of you the same as me, and it's all going to be okay. But he didn't do that. Sheep are, by nature, followers. Let them follow. Don't drive them as you would cattle. You can't tell sheep what to do. <laughs> they don't like it. <laughs> and they don't listen. <laughs> sheep are docile animals by nature. They're not out to bite you. They will if you irritate them enough. They don't attack the shepherd. Sheep have good memories. Sheep do not forget. These memories need to be positive ones as much as possible. In other words, sheep remember what you do and what you don't do. And they will react to the image, the picture that they have of you from the last time they saw you. That's why sheep are highly suspicious. <laughs> last time you cut my fingernails, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> you can't sneak up on sheep. <laughs> they see you coming. <laughs> sheep like routine. So be patient when introducing something new. I've seen this in churches. Sheep do not like new things. Years ago, I and my best friend were prayer partners, and we would go to church and pray and do prophetic prayer before church. And one day the Lord said, make a gate. You and your friend, make this gate. We made this gate. He says, now open the gate. He says, I'm going to open the gate this morning, and the glory of God's going to come in and just fill this place. The gate was right in front of the pulpit. Right above the pulpit was the cross. 
And we're like, this is awesome. The glory of God's going to come into the church and Jesus is lifted up. And we're like, yes, God, get him. <laughs> Pour out your spirit. <laughs> the pastor came in that morning and he moved his pulpit out of the way over to the side. And we're like, yes, God, yes, pour out your glory, pour out your power. The sheep were furious. <laughs> God's telling us, this is what I want to do for you this morning. I want to pour out my glory. I want to pour out my power. I want you to see me like you've never seen me before. And just so you're not distracted by the pastor, I'm going to have him move the pulpit over. <laughs> People sat with their arms closed because the pastor had the audacity to move the pulpit. <laughs> yes, sheep do not like things changed. They like things to stay the same. <laughs> sheep like things to be predictable. Sheep's reactions are predictable. So it says use them to your benefit. Sheep react negatively to loud noises and yelling. Can't yell at sheep. Have you ever been in a service? where everybody there got scolded before all the people who weren't there? <laughs> Many a time. <laughs> Sheep do not respond well to loud noises and yelling. Sheep will bunch up in corners to protect themselves. Yeah, we work in an environment where a manager is determined. <laughs> you will often find groups of people in corners because he's not leading sheep. He's trying to drive sheep, and it doesn't work. When moving and gathering and sorting sheep, the more efficient the operation, the better. Wool grabbing and rough handling will cause bruising. Sheep are bruised easily. Now, my husband does not know this. My husband will grab you, and he will hug you, and he will rough you up, <laughs> because he loves you so much. <laughs> I tell him, honey, please don't hurt the sheep. <laughs> they bruise easily. <laughs> sheep tend to move in the opposite direction of their handler. In other words, if I am a handler and I want the sheep to go to the left, I need to go to the right. They move in the opposite direction. That's how you herd sheep. If you move toward them, they will move away. So if you want them to go in one direction, you have to come around the other side and they will move away from you. You never move toward sheep. You always move in front of them, away from them, if you want to lead them. Sheep have a flight zone. You may not know what a flight zone is. A flight zone is the space around a sheep that he's comfortable with. We call it personal space. <laughs> have you ever been in a big auditorium where there's lots and lots of seats, and you sit down, and somebody you don't know comes and sits right next to you? <laughs> You're like, I don't know you. <laughs> well, what are you doing sitting so close to me? <laughs> Sheep don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> My husband doesn't know about that either. <laughs> Sheep move best when not afraid, so work slowly and calmly. Sheep do not like to move into the darkness. So if you have to put them in a chute, place a chute facing a well-lit area. Sheep have to see where they're going. Sheep don't just follow into darkness. 
in the psalm, it talks about the valley of the shadow of death. Sheep have no depth perception. I did not know this. I'm a nearsighted person. When I take off my glasses, I can see near. I'm nearsighted. People with nearsightedness have problems with depth perception. <laughs> when my husband drives, I have to close my eyes because he doesn't have a depth perception problem. He can see exactly where he's going, and he sees that he's not going to run into everything. In my eyes, we're running into everything. <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> now, men have better depth perception than women. Their depth perception is more accurate. That's why most professional drivers are men. Women, however, have better peripheral vision. So not only do I think we're going to run into everything, I see everything coming from the sides! <laughs> I understand sheep now. <laughs> you can't get too close to them too quickly because they know they are everybody's lunch. Sheep know that they are a prey animal and that the only defense they have is to run away. So a sheep can actually see 360 degrees if they're at peace. If they're afraid, their head will be up and they have a blind spot. Sheep can see, when they bend over to graze, they can actually see in 360 degrees because they need to. How does that help us as sheep? <laughs> when we're at peace, when we know that we're in the presence of our shepherd, we can put our head down and graze into the word of God and we can see whatever it is we need to see because our eyes will be open. But if we are afraid and frantic and in a panic, guess what? We have a blind spot where an enemy can come in and take hold of us. I understand a little bit more about sheep. Sheep move better from a flat surface or move better on a flat surface or uphill. Sheep do not like to go downhill. Sheep are bottom heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and so when sheep go downhill, they don't feel safe. In fact, going downhill, they're more likely to tip over. So when sheep feel like you're leading them downhill, they become very fearful and afraid, and they move much more slow. They will follow you if they know you, but sheep do not like to move downhill. Sheep always move towards other sheep. Sheep are social. They won't go into an empty pen. They'll look in there, oh, there's nobody there to play with. Nope, not going in there. <laughs> what they do is they'll put a decoy sheep. Look, there's a sheep. Yay, let's go over there. <laughs> sheep like to be around other sheep. Sheep don't like to be alone because when they're alone, they know that they're vulnerable. Sheep fear new visual objects. I'm going to tell you a story here. This is not actually a story. This is true. When looking for information about sheep and how sheep are, I came across this. It's on the Illinois University of Illinois Extension website. You can look it up for yourself. The Illinois Livestock Trail, talking about how sheep react to new visual objects. Like the Pekingese, sheep do not like things unexpected or new. A show sheep is when people go to uh, like fairs or contests or um, places where you buy sheep. They're called show sheep. You have to get them all cleaned up and pretty and ready for the show. So this article talks about show sheep. Most people wash their show sheep, their show flock, and then let them dry before blanketing them. 
A blanket is an apparatus they put over the sheep to keep it clean now that they've got it all beautified. If the shepherd follows the procedure of taking one sheep from the drying pen and trimming and blanketing it and then returning it to the drying pen, then the following can and does happen. The blanketed sheep, let's call him Harry, is returned to his pen, all decked out in his new blanket and hood. The other sheep in the pen immediately panic at the sight of this monster. They've never seen this before. <laughs> Actually, Harry has only been out of the pen for about a half an hour, but the blanket, and particularly the hood, makes him look like a monster. And they react in the only way they can to stay away from it. They run away in fright. Harry, not knowing how terrifying he appears to his friends, sees them run and naturally thinks there's danger. So he tries to join them for protection. Whatever is scaring them is going to eat me too. <laughs> so he runs after them. This, of course, only terrifies his friends even more as they think Harry is coming to eat them. <laughs> so they run faster and faster. <laughs> Usually this chapter ends with a bunch of exhausted animals <laughs> that learn to tolerate one another all over again. <laughs> sheep are by nature fearful and anxious. Fearful sheep on high alert will not eat, will not drink, and will not rest, and eventually they will get sick. Sheep must have peace. They must have security before they want anything else. They cannot live and thrive without peace. This peace and security comes from one place and one place only, their shepherd. Nothing else makes them feel safe, only the presence of their shepherd. The Strong's Dictionary definition, when it says, to associate with, as with a friend, a companion, to keep company with, this is the first and primary need of a sheep, to feel the presence of their shepherd. Otherwise, we end up running around afraid of things that aren't actually supposed to be dangerous to us. <laughs> when we know the presence of our shepherd, his constant companionship, his constant friendship, then we can have peace. Sheep love the sound of the shepherd's voice. Sheep don't see well, but they hear great. The sheep can't see in front of them very well. They can see in all directions when their head is down and when they're eating. But their greatest asset is their hearing. That is true with us, too. You know, we can't always see what God is doing. We can't always see what he's up to, but we can always hear. We can always hear the voice of our shepherd. Jesus, of course, is our good shepherd. John 10:11 says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth life to his sheep. John 10:14 says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. John 10:15 says, As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. John 10:18 says, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. John 10:27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10:28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. The King James puts the word man in there. It's not there. It would be better to have been translated this way, and neither shall any thing pluck them out of my hand. 
10.29, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no, that in the word there is udais, not one. Not one is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Not one. Not one man, not one thing, not one stupid thing I do, not one stupid thing I say, <laughs> not one stupid failure I make, not one thing is able to pluck me out of my Father's hand. You know what I love about these two scriptures? is Jesus has got me by one hand and the Father's got me by the other. And in the middle is the Holy Spirit. And guess what? I am secure. I can rest. I can put my head down. I can eat the word of God. I can be at peace because I know the presence of my Savior. I know the presence of my Father. I know that my Father is a good, good Father and I can rest and have peace and I don't have to be in a panic about anything. We have absolute security, absolute safety with our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We like sheep can truly rest when we know that our shepherd is always with us, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, and that just like a good shepherd, he will take care of everything. A good shepherd bears all the weight and concern. Most shepherds actually become anxious so that their sheep don't. They have to become anxious and concerned and watch everything so that their sheep don't. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word grief there is also anxiety. Jesus took our anxiety, our unrest on himself, and he bore the penalty of that, the fruit of that, so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus took our anxiety to the cross and destroyed all the power of the predator. We don't have to be anxious anymore. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him because he careth for you. He cares about everything for you. Just like the good shepherd, he takes care of everything. We can fling, and that's what the word cast means, fling those cares upon the Lord, upon the good shepherd, because he has already paid the price for us to be released from those cares and released from all anxiety. Jesus brings with him a benefit package. He says, I have given you everything that you need for life and godliness. So keep flinging. Keep flinging those cares, <laughs> because we should always be at rest and at peace. When we are at rest and at peace, we're free to receive. We're free to eat. We're free to be refreshed by the living waters. We can sing songs of worship that will establish our heart, just like the song of David in Psalm 23. Establish the good picture in our heart of our good, good Father. I'm going to read through Psalm 23 one more time, and then we will close. The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh is everything. Because he is everything, and he has everything, and he's done everything, I shall not want. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 2, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep can only eat when they're at peace. When he gives me his peace, his presence, his assurance, then I can rest, and then I can lay down, and then I can feed. And when we eat, we can see everything the Lord wants us to see our vision becomes completely clear. He leadeth me. He leadeth me beside the still waters, living water of the Holy Spirit, living water of the Word. <laughs> we need it all. The word here, leadeth, means to run with a sparkle, which is, I think, is hysterical. <laughs> but what that means is when he moves, light is produced. And we can see. I can see what he reveals by his Holy Spirit. He restoreth my soul, verse 3, our soul, not our spirit. We are complete in Christ, in our spirit man. But our souls can become wounded and weary. Our souls can be broken, our mind, our emotions, 
can have wrong pictures, have wrong understandings. But he says he will restore whatever has been broken, whatever has been lost. He will restore it. He will restore our peace, restore our love, restore our joy. Whatever your heart has lost, he says he is the one that restores. The good shepherd repairs, restores, and returns to us what is rightfully ours. He is faithful with his word and with his food to restore our soul. He leadeth me in in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The word here leadeth means to guide. He is willing and has already and will continue to guide us into all the right paths. God, which way do I go? God, what do you want me to do? What's the right thing? That's what he's talking about here. It is through his presence, his word, and his spirit that he will always lead us in the right path for his name's sake, which simply means for his glory. God doesn't play hide and seek. He plays seek and find. (laughs) So that we will always glorify him because we will always find him. In the psalm, David takes a turn. He goes from talking about God to talking to him. He gets up close and personal with the up close and personal shepherd. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is the primary need of our little sheepy hearts. We need to fear no evil. And the only way that's possible is when we are aware that he is with us. That he has a rod and a staff and they comfort us because that means he is providing my protection. He is Yahweh said by oath. He has an army ready to be released on my behalf. Sheep can't see in the dark. So when I go through a dark place, I don't have to see him. I just have to know he's there and listen for his voice. And his presence and his voice will bring me the peace that I need. Because we know who our shepherd is and what he's accomplished for us on the cross, we can choose to not fear. And in the places where we have wrong pictures, we can choose to change them. We can choose to sow the truth, the right kind of picture into our heart about who our father is. We can sing a new song, even as David did. Verse 5 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. One of the things I learned is that when shepherds go on long treks, the shepherd doesn't just let sheep go. The shepherd goes ahead of the sheep and makes sure that there are nothing poisonous and that there's no predators. And these placards of land are called tables. If they go up into mountains, there'll be a plateau. That's a table land. And he goes up before them and makes the way safe. He prepares a table before us. He goes before us to defend us, to protect us, to provide for us. Not only will he make sure that there are no poisonous weeds and and no predators, but he also lay down salt. He makes sure that every need is provided for. That's what our shepherd does for us. He anointeth my head with oil. Sheep need oil applied to their heads and their noses to prevent irritating pests from infecting them. For us, this is the continual anointing and infilling of the Holy Spirit that enables us to overcome all the things that try to pester us. (laughs) It is the constant companionship of the Holy Spirit, his constant comfort, his constant feeding, his constant care, when we see and hear him, that enables us to overcome those things that irritate us. My cup runneth over. A shepherd knows that when all has been done and done well, abundance is always the result. That's what a shepherd does is he brings the most out of his sheep and provides them with the very best. Our cup is running over with abundance. The last verse is verse 6. It returns David to simply declaring how good his shepherd is. Surely. The word there is only. Not just surely, but only goodness and mercy. The word mercy is hasid. 
We would better translate it grace. Only goodness and grace shall follow me all the days of my life. And the word follow there, follow me, means to chase me down. (laughs) You know, sometimes shepherds have to chase down the sheep. (laughs) Jesus says, I will chase you down and give you grace. I will chase you down and do you good. I will chase you down and bless you. I will chase you. I will bless you. And even if you resist me, I will bless you. (laughs) Because he is a good, good father. And it ends with, and I will dwell in the house in the presence of the Lord, Yahweh, forever. He will never leave us and never forsake us, and so we can have peace. Psalm 79, 13 says this, So we, thy people and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will shew forth thy praise to all generations. Like David, let us purpose in our hearts to sing of our Father's goodness, to change the pictures wrongly inscribed on our hearts so that when Pekingese puppies and and unexpected things happen, we don't run in fear, we don't run in panic, but we can rest and be at rest because we are in the presence of our Good Shepherd. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you laugh at us the way we laugh at sheep, that you love us, Even though we're so sheepy-like sometimes, you love us. You accept us. You meet us where we are. You never scold. You're never disappointed. You pick us up and you carry us when we're broken. You heal us when we hurt. You provide for us. You are Yahweh, everything. You are everything that we need. And you hold nothing back from us. You give us all that you are. Lord, teach us new songs. Songs that paint perfect pictures of who you are. Or at least better pictures of who you are. Let those songs go deep into our heart. Let the truth of who you are change us. Let us be careful to not sing songs that say things about you that aren't true. But remind us to glorify you. That the world may know that you're real that you are who you say you are. You are a good shepherd. I bless your people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.